Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of our STGC After Hours Endwalker discussion with myself, Britt, and Jeff. Um, near the end of our first, of part one, we intended to just make this one recording, but we realized that there was so much to talk about that we decided to just split it in two. Uh, and what we're going to talk about uh, in this episode um, are, we're going to talk about the dungeons, we're going to talk about uh, the encounters, uh, you know, the primals. Uh, you know, the the final fights with the end singer and Xenos. And of course, spoilers abound. There are spoilers all over the place, just like in the first one. Uh, so, but then again, if you listen to the first one, that really shouldn't be a problem here. Uh, and we're also going to talk about what we think and hope is coming next for Final Fantasy XIV, because of course, with the Heidelin Zodiac saga ended, uh, we, we we don't really know what's coming. We don't really have an idea about, about what could be coming next. Um, so, uh, Guys, uh, I am happy to be here talking about Endwalker again with you. It's always a good time when we get to talk about Final Fantasy. That's true. That's very true. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we left off last time talking about story and characters. Uh, and of course, today we're going to jump into uh, um, dungeons and primals and, and, and things like that. Um, so, and we could also talk about pacing as well, because I, I did think that there were some pacing issues with Endwalker. Nothing's perfect. Um, but, you know, if you're going to talk about dungeons, you have to talk about the incredible amount of Final Fantasy IV fan service and Endwalker. I mean, it is all over the place. Uh, considering I think you're the only one that has played four, yes, do go on about how much Final Fantasy IV lore there is in there. So hold on. So you guys have not played Final Fantasy IV. I have not played Final Fantasy IV. I've, it's the only, like, one of the one through six games that I've played, but I have, I've never gotten further than, like, when Cecil becomes a paladin. Okay. I was replaying the DS version a few months ago to get ready for Endwalker, and then... Uh, it just flat out locks you out until you go and like breed or grind a chocobo or something like that. And I was like, I'm not fucking doing this. So, so quit. my advice would be to <laughs> get the pixel remaster version. Of course, mod that font out. Um, it's the best version of the game. If you mod that font out, uh, and it, it would be, I think it would be fascinating for you guys to go back and play final fantasy four. Um, having not ever played it before after playing Endwalker, um, because you'll be like, Oh shit. I mean, it's all over the place. So like uh, the Tower of Zot, for example, the very first dungeon of the game, that is the base of operations for Final Fantasy IV's villain, Golbez. It even has the same music. Uh, oh, wow. Which is, cool. which is, yeah, which is a variation of Golbez's theme. All the enemies in there are actually enemies from the Tower of Zot in Final Fantasy IV. Yeah, in um, the Maga Sisters, I know, was um, really heavily based on Final Fantasy IV's Maga Sisters. Like, <laughs> which down, was down to the right. Amano art. Like, well, and what's what was what, what I loved about the Mega Sisters, and like there have been very there have been iterations on the Mega Sisters throughout the franchise. These were very clearly based on the Final Fantasy IV version, which is the first time they appeared. But I love the uh, Cindy, Mindy, and um, Cindy, Mindy, and Sandy. Uh, yes. But what's but what's cool about this is that there was a huge uh, Hindu theme or a huge mm -hmm. Hindu twist on them, which I thought was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I and loved I, uh, the Mega Sisters in Ten, so even not playing for just seeing them in here. So I, I will say this: the only thing I'm a little disappointed about was that they were um, just bosses and not like actual trials, you know. I well, and it was in, it's interesting. They did that with another summon. We'll talk about uh, in a bit here, 
Um, but uh, for, for an opening, like I was, I thought, like I, I knew that the Tower of Zot was going to be in the game. I'm a huge Final Fantasy IV is one of my favorite in the entire franchise. I was very, very curious to see just how much Final Fantasy lore or Final Fantasy, you know, flavor was going to be present in Endwalker. And boy, oh boy, did it just hit you over the face with it. Um, and we kind of knew it was coming, you know, with the uh, with the you know the minions for Palam and Porum, and you know Edge and Ridia and Rose and Rosa, and also the Lunar Whale Mount. Um, but so yeah, like the, I thought the tower the Tower of Zot was such a strong way to uh, to open the the series of dungeon encounters and and uh, in Endwalker. Um, Jeff, did you have any thoughts on uh, on the Tower of Zot not having played Final Fantasy IV? Um, no, I mean, not specifically, but I think that's what's uh, always been great about 14 is like, you know, like I said, I have almost no experience with the pre PS1 Final Fantasy games. Um, and I, I know there's a ton of that stuff in 14, even before this, but I think that's the strength of the game is like, I never feel like I'm missing or don't get something. Um, it's just one of those things where like, if you have played the games, uh, I guess it's not the detriment of the story um, in the game itself for standing alone. It's just it's nice um, for people who have stuck with the series or played all the other entries um, to kind of uh, see things reimagined or brought back in in really interesting ways. Uh, But no, I thought the dungeon was a uh, uh, I mean, like it was probably my least favorite dungeon, maybe maybe because I didn't play Final Fantasy four, but I think just because the stakes at that point were a little bit lower, uh, like that's the first tower you kind of go into. Right. Tower of Babel was pretty good, and then like from there, the dungeons I think really ramped up. Um, but no, it was it was good. Like it was a real. I mean, and when I say it's like my least favorite, it's still a great dungeon. I, I think they've come so far. Like it used to be, even with like Heaven's Ward and Stormblood, some were cut better than others. But now it just like I don't know. There wasn't a bad dungeon uh, between the main ones and the optional ones in this game. Um, and Tower of Zot's no exception. I thought it was great, and the fights were fun. Well, so so speaking of further dungeons, the next dungeon that you visit is the Tower of Babel, which, guess what, guys? Yet another Final Fantasy IV dungeon. And interestingly <laughs> enough, you, you know, Jeff, we talked in, in part one about how getting to the moon was a little anticlimactic. You just kind of teleported there, right? Um, well... In Final Fantasy IV, the Tower of Babel is actually what Golbez uses to open the path to the moon. Um, and there are two bosses in there that are extremely iconic and memorable uh, bosses in Final Fantasy IV, which is Barnabas and Dr. Lugai. Um, and they even, and Lugai, and what's funny is that, uh, do you guys remember the encounter with Barnabas? You know, big Frankenstein-looking guy where he he hits Lugai, and Lugai's like, no, not me. Um that happens in Final we Fantasy IV. Played it. <laughs> that happens. Well, this, yeah. yeah, that that actually happens in Final Fantasy IV. Um, and then Lugai actually, he, I was, I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to give him his like his cyborg form, and they did. Um, and it was just, it was so cool to see. But what was weird about the Tower of Babel is that Anima from Final Fantasy X was the final encounter, like out of mm. nowhere, and and I, I, I kind of felt like it didn't really fit the vibe. Am I alone in that? It's really disappointing because, like, that's the one I was looking forward to the most because the anima. I thought that was going to be a trial. Yeah, so the, did I. Yeah. The anima fight in ten is such a memorable fight that I'm surprised that they just made it a dungeon boss, and I was again a little disappointed. <clears throat> 
mega sisters i was like whatever but then when i saw the anima was the the last boss i was like oh like that's kind of disappointing just because i think that would have been a really fun trial um and also weird that they made anima into a male when anima was a female in final fantasy 10 anima was seymour's mom in 10 so they hold on they made anima was a male i must have missed that yeah, they, yeah, that was Varys. Yeah, that was right? Varys. Yeah, Varys. oh, it was Varys. That's right. Shit. Yeah, I, I had totally forgotten about that. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was just like one. I'm with Brit, right? Like, I, I thought Anima was gonna be a trial, and Jeff, it sounds like you did too. Um, mm-hmm. and I think everybody I, did. Yeah, and so to see, like, I loved. Almost all of the Tower of Babel, just again those Final Fantasy IV vibes. But one, I was disappointed that and I was like, oh, Anima's just like a a regular old boss. And 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 then two, I was like, oh, well, Anima was in Final Fantasy X. Why is Anima here? Like, there were there were plenty. I feel like there were plenty of other Final Fantasy IV monsters that they could have used to kind of keep the vibe. So I just it, like I, I guess what I'm saying, like it felt like it was out of nowhere. For no real reason. My big complaint was, and I think we've all we discussed this partially in the last, um, in our last recording. But the whole Garlemald, like again, great zone. Like the whole expansion is wonderful. But I think the Garlemald area, like and the moon, were the two weakest points in the story because, like Garlemald, like it's built up. It's been built up for you for since 2.0 came out even before yeah. then in 1.0 like like, like eight like nine ten years right and it's just it's you didn't do much there yeah it was very anticlimactic right like it wasn't i was thinking oh sorry Brit. no go um, ahead no, i was just thinking uh like i mentioned last time it felt almost a little small uh and i think maybe the issue is like garlemald maybe actually needed to be two zones i don't know um it's not just like a size thing either, but I wonder if they were just limited in terms of what they could do. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I liked it, but I agree. It's uh, considering the legacy it has throughout the whole game. It's um, yeah, a little disappointing, I guess. Yeah, like it's interesting that you basically are. It's the fall of Garlemald, which again, I mentioned in the last one, and you're dealing with the the outcome of that. But it, it was also just very like, huh? All right, well, you know, here I am, like, in another destroyed town, just trying to right. help them, and, you know, it's just, I, I wanted the story to be a little bit more special and a little bit more different. Yeah, I, I, I was, okay, like, you know, I, I won't relitigate the Tower of Babel, but I do feel like, you know, the ending was, the ending of the dungeon was a little... Nah, for me, and I agree with you on Garlemald. Like Garlemald as an area was a lot smaller than I thought it was going to be, um, and we didn't really. I mean, there was a series of of battles there uh, with the Garlean Empire, but I didn't feel like I didn't feel any stakes. Did you I, guys like well, like was that a problem for you guys? Like I didn't feel like the stakes were high enough. That's another problem that I had is they really. Fan Daniel and Xenos up until that point were really forgettable. And I honestly couldn't tell you at that point why they were working together and why Fan Daniel was still with Xenos and like... I'm still a little muddled on that, Brit. 
So he wanted to use Xenos basically to unlock um, Zodiac or become Zodiac or whatever. He wanted to. Oh, he, he. I remember was, that, but that was his only goal. Like I guess. Like I don't know. Like I. I like he could have used anybody, and he used Xenos. I don't know. So I feel like just the whole story around Xenos just feels a, a little muddled. And it's I, like Fan Daniel. Could you have picked a better villain? Well, I, I mean, it's if. If Fan Daniel could have made Xenos more interesting, it would have been fine with me. Like my issue is in Xenos, it's it's the storytelling around those two. Like I didn't get it. Like I didn't understand why they were working together, why Fan Daniel was with him. It just like it almost felt like you know how we started out with Emmett Selk and Varys, you know, it would like they kinda right. had like that relationship and it's like where's this going you know like i don't understand why they're working together and you know that compared with going to garlemald and you know xenos taking over your body it was all just very confusing and then you actually go to the moon and it's just like what the fuck is going on you know well i i you know one of my biggest issues with the whole xenos taking over your body thing was it served no nothing purpose. came of it. It well, served right. absolutely like, no like, purpose. I, I was like, okay, if I had gone, like I'm a machinist, for example, right? Like if I had gone and gunned down, you know, Thancred or like, you know, killed Alphanode or something or like something with incredibly high stakes, that moment would have hit so much harder, but it didn't. And I was like, okay, like. I was like, okay, really it's, it's no building purpose. up towards something. This is going to lead towards something. That, that's what I thought too. I thought we were going to, I thought that. And, it, you know, maybe it could yeah. in later expansions. Yeah, I doubt it. Xenos is gone. Well, I don't mean um, for Xenos. I just mean like maybe something uh, okay. like there's something wrong with your aether or so- something silly that I'm sure they're going to bring back into play. <coughs> and uh, the next entry we had we had was Vanaspati, which was a really cool design. Uh, you know, you're in the woods and everything's on fire. Uh, of course, you know the quest itself is called Skies of Flame. Um, the dungeon is level 85. And this one uh, didn't take any any flavoring at all uh, from Final Fantasy IV. So this is the point where we kind of start to veer away from those really strong Final Fantasy IV, IV vibes. I thought that this was one of the more forgettable dungeons. Um, simply because, I, I, you know... I, I didn't find it like it was pretty, but aesthetically I didn't find it interesting. Like I feel like we've had several dungeons in Final Fantasy fourteen where, you know, you're in an old village and everything's burning. Um I, I feel like we've been through this before. Uh and, you know, terminus enemies were there again. We have fought terminus enemies before. Um I, I didn't think any of the boss fights were incredibly difficult. Uh, this, in my opinion, was probably the weakest of all of the Endwalker dungeons. Um, and maybe that's like, you know, middle child syndrome, simply because like it is the kind of like the midpoint of your of, of your run through all the dungeon encounters. Um, but I found this to be eminently forgettable. It wasn't for um, me. Um, I had a really hard time on the last boss fight. Um, I died multiple times and I ran with NPCs. So when you die, you have to restart the whole fight all over again. So I had to do it numerous times. I don't know why. It just was a boss that didn't click for me. And it was the starting point. 
it felt like that dungeon was like the starting point to where like the actual story and the real story that you were doing like was finally coming into play so it felt like I was actually doing a dungeon that had consequences and that meant something and that um it had like a sort like like a sense of direness to it like I gotta quickly fucking do this dungeon so I can see what's gonna happen next. Like, this is the fucking final days. What's gonna happen? How are we averting this? Like, what's going on? So there was, like, so many, like, good questions. Like, so after Garlemald and after the moon, it finally felt like some of my questions were about to be answered. So it was very... I don't know. I like the dungeon a lot. Yeah, and I, I feel, I think, mostly like Britt did. I think... Like, John, you talked about the stakes earlier in Garl Mode, like, what are we doing and stuff? And I I think, like, for me, Britt nailed it. Like, this is where, and yeah, like, I don't know. Uh, you know, if you break down the dungeon in terms of the specific enemies and boss mechanics, I mean, I can't even remember them uh, well enough to tell you. Maybe, maybe it's not um, a standout, but I think in terms of its place in the story and where it fits and how it does kind of kick that off, I definitely felt, um, you know, a lot of that holy shit, especially with the surroundings, everything burning, because this this is the first time you really see what we've seen in the, you know, the flashbacks of Almorot. Um, That's true. You know, That's true. Uh, and kind of seeing that all come to life here. Yeah. And seeing it for the uh, first time I, yourself. So it's like, it's like Almorot, yeah. but it's like real time. And it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like... And uh, I did struggle, also struggle with the boss, even with other players, that fucking constellation AOE uh, on the last one, I just could not yep. <laughs> figure out. So, uh, but it, like it was cool and challenging. Um, so I don't know. I, again, yeah, not my favorite dungeon, but I I would probably put it above um, at least Tower of Zot. I thought, uh, in terms of where it fit in the story, this one I was a little bit more engaged by this point. Um, so I was more into it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was good. So I I have a question. Um, am I the only one who played every single story dungeon uh, through the trust system? No, I did. Okay, it just. Uh... It, I have never done that. So oh, see, well, see, it just it felt right. Am I right, Britt? Like, well, you, you get know, like, like it, the, you get additional dialogue, which I like. Like, right. You, you, not only do you get to experience like what's what's going on and what's happening, but you also get to experience the NPCs like first time seeing the shit and everything. And a lot of the times, especially because I I didn't get to power through it like a lot of everybody else did, just because you know it was. I talked about this last time. It came out at a terrible time for me. There was holidays, like all that kind of stuff. And so it got like I was to the point where people were rerunning those dungeons and speed running them. So it, I like going in with trust NPCs because I can go at my own pace. I don't feel bad if I fuck up. Like it's just. We well, also don't have to wait in the fucking wait in the queue. So yeah, DPS queue. <laughs> yep i I'm living that DPS queue life myself. Um, so, uh, moving along, we had, uh, Katissus, I, I, I can never pronounce this fucking name. Um, but, uh, Hyperborea, that's the second part of the name, but, uh, level 87 dungeon. This is the Elpis dungeon. This area has very heavy Greek themes, uh, given of course that the final boss is Hermes, who was, who became Fandaniel. Of course, Hermes was also Amon in a past life. It's very kingdom heartsy. Um, but, uh, I thought this dungeon was beautiful. Um, I love the S. It's awesome. Yeah, I, it's one of my favorites. I loved the I loved the visual style. Um, I thought um, I thought Hermes as the final encounter was one of the most enjoyable boss fights in the entire expansion. 
I um, honestly couldn't even. I, d- I don't remember that fight whatsoever. <laughs> he, uh, you, uh, you know, you know, like all these Final Fantasy villains, they've got to have like a a final form, right? Right. Um, but of course, as it turns out, that's not even his final form, nope. which will which we'll get to. Uh, Jeff, did you have anything you wanted to say about uh, Kista's Hy- uh, Hyperborea? Um, yeah, again, in most of these dungeons, I've only, uh, I haven't got them in roulette. So, like, I've only run through them once, you right. know, as I was going through the story. So, it's, you know, the specifics are a bit of a blur, but I agree with you. Like, just, um, you know, like, aesthetically and thematically, I liked I liked it a lot. And, again, like, building off, um, you know, Vanaspati, like, the, the stakes were so high. And this is the point now where I'm so wrapped up in, like, uh, like I guess the mystery, because I feel like a lot of the final, you know, third of the game is just kind of, uh, especially in Elpis, is you're just constantly trying to put the pieces together um, as they're kind of giving you bits of information and figuring out what's going on. Um, so, you know, I, I think that played to its strength as well. And yeah, I really liked the uh, the um, Hermes fight as well. And uh, of course, um, as far as, sorry about that, as far as Hermes goes, um, the next dungeon was the i the itioscope uh and we got we get a big um so so in between uh hyperborea and the itioscope we learn that uh hermes in a past and thousands of years prior was actually amon uh servant of zandi of the elegant empire which of course uh was uh heavily inspired by final fantasy 3 um and it was so cool, not just seeing that callback to Final Fantasy III, but seeing those callbacks uh, to the Crystal Tower raids uh, years and years and years ago. Um, I, I was, like, of all the characters to reveal Hermes as, I was not expecting this. Um, I was not expecting it to be a mon from, like, just a, a you know, a cool-looking but, like, random boss from Final Fantasy III, who popped up in the Crystal Tower. And it's explained... Uh, so the Amon you fought in the Crystal Tower uh, all those years ago was a clone that he created. And it, as it turns out, this um, uh, like Amon is still, after all these years, loyal to the Emperor. Uh, he's loyal to Zandi. Uh, and I thought... And so when you actually fought his... his encounter name is Amon it's he's Amon the Undying. Uh and I I thought this this is probably up there with my it's probably my favorite boss fight of of the entire expansion simply because of the lore and the visuals Amon was just such a cool design uh, just such a cool design encounter. Um and that that huge like that huge dump of lore and long conversation you have with Amon afterward, um, is is just and then he's dragged into the void with fucking Asahi it, of all characters. God. Yeah, like yeah. it it was so the whole thing was just so cool. See, my whole thing is my like my timeline is confused. Like when did so Amon came first, and then Hermes, or Hermes no. and then Amon. No, Her- Amon, Amon came first. Was, no, that, I thought her like the Asians were the original inhabitants. So my understanding was Hermes came first, and then at some point later they show um, Emmett Selk came to Amon and offered him the 
seat of Fan Daniel. No, so later. my my understanding is that uh, so so uh, he was Amon before everything else. He he, and that's why you fought him as Amon the Undying. Is that he he originally was Amon? The Asians predate the Allegans, don't they? They do, uh, but but um, or at least I I'm not sure if they do or not. But but I am the impression I got was that Amon, like he is Amon, um, and that was his original true identity, uh, and then he became Hermes. Um, and then he was asked to join, he was asked to take Fan Daniel's seat. Um, that is the impression that I got now. Okay. So, sorry, John, I'm not trying to interrupt. Just try no, to go ahead. it on the wiki. Um, I so might yeah. be wrong. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like I thought, uh, Amon is a reincarnation of Hermes. Okay. All right. And Hermes had held the seat of Fan Daniel previously. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Wait, wait. So Amon um, is then- a... So he wasn't really he, he so he was Hermes and he wasn't. Yeah, like he was the like similar to how you are Asm, like he is the uh what you whatever you'd call like you know the sundered from um, uh from Hermes basically. Gotcha. Okay. He would, he, he would share his soul or whatever. Interesting. Okay. That's confusing um, as fuck. It is, yeah. Like I, I, which, and you can tell it's confusing because we all had different ideas about what, uh, who well, came. I, like it's like I just who came first, the chicken or the like, egg? You first figure out that Fan Daniel, right? Fan Daniel is actually a seat, so there's like no Fan Daniel. It's just a role, right? And then Fan Daniel is a mon. You figure that out because you have a cutscene with Emmett Selk, who is. Not like the Emmett Selk that you see in Albus. He's the one that, you know, he's the one with the red hair and the little white stripe. Mm-hmm. So you obviously know it takes place after Elpis. But Hermes is in Elpis, so it was just very confusing. <laughs> I was like, I, I thought it was too. I, I, I don't know what's going on. So thank you for clarifying that. I will I say. Mean, there's a- a lot of lore, and that's where I said at our last recording, where like I'm glad we we're moving on because it does feel like there's just uh, too much baggage at this point. Right. With yeah, so yeah, for sure. And this what were is, you say, John. I was just gonna say this is definitely, without a doubt, the most story heavy of all the expansions. Like there was so much lore thrown at you that, as you can see, like I can't even keep it all straight. Um. And I think, uh, like, go ahead. I'm just gonna talk about the dungeon again. The uh, yeah, please. Scope. Uh, I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, I love it too. Scope. Yeah. Same as everything else. Like the, the visual design in this, and like in all the expansions, but this one is so good, and I loved. Um, uh, they're they're get. I don't know if it's a little manipulative, like the little emotional daggers. Um, but I think this is the one where you're running through and you see Papalimo's staff, and Horshfont's shield. Um, yep. Uh, and I can't remember what the third one was, but it's just like those little, uh, they're kind of with you um, because you are, uh, you know, kind of in the ethereal sea where, right. um, you know, all these souls uh, have kind of come to rest or are kind of just observing the universe now. Um, and I don't know, it's just those constant little touches and throwbacks always get me. And I, and they're so subtle, I didn't even pick up on it right away, um, but I, I loved it for sure. And then, yeah, like you said, the uh, Amon fight at the end and the, and the cutscenes that followed, um, yeah, just well, it, it's, really, really it's good It's another stuff. reason why I love going through NPCs, because I had um, Urianje with me as my healer, and when Papa Limo's staff comes up, he w- mm-hmm. he's like, 
oh, see, you're still with us after all, aren't you? And it was like, oh. And then when you get to um, Horshafon's thing, mm-hmm. uh, Estinian commented on it, because I had Estinian in my party, and it was just really interesting to... I don't remember what he said, but he definitely reacted to it, and it's just, it just was like, oh. Yeah, that's a better experience. I had a tank called Nacho Cheese. Um, <laughs> Just Shout out to Nacho dungeon. Cheese on so, Ultros. <laughs> <laughs> so he was pulling twenty enemies at once that I could barely see. Uh, those I could barely had time to observe. Yeah, those exactly. Moments. That's why. That's yeah. why I always do my first dungeon <laughs> run-throughs with NPCs, just yeah. so I can experience it myself. And you know, I just like to be carried. Jeff had mentioned callbacks, and no dungeon gives you callbacks like the final dungeon in the story series, which was the Dead Ends where you get callbacks to all the civilizations uh, that have basically lost the will to live. And, well, not all of them, but, you know, a, a selection of them, which is what caused Medion to lose faith in uh, in life to begin with. And this was not only my favorite dungeon, uh, but also, like, it just so melancholy and depressing, unlike anything I think we've seen in a Final Fantasy XIV uh, dungeon encounter. Uh, because all of, I mean, all of these societies had reached their apex and then they realized that there was simply nothing left to live for, essentially. Um, I, and they all I desire- felt that way about Amarant, like when, when we did the Amarant yeah. dungeon, because, you know, you're in, you know, Emmett's Amarant and everything's on ice and everything. And then you just watching everybody die was, so it's like that, but like with like races that I don't know and understand. And well, what the part that hit me the the most, Brit, was the final part right before you fight uh, Rala, the final boss of the dungeon. Um, it, it, I, I don't know what the race. They never really explained to you what the race was, but <clears throat> it's a race of beings that had achieved immortality and you know the absolute apex of their evolution. Uh, they had uh, they had all knowledge of the universe, like everything. And they realized that there was nothing left to there. There, you know, it was, they had an eternity of nothing left to do stretching out before them, but they couldn't die. Um, and so they actually created an entity, which was Rala to, to kill them. Um, and it's even, uh, it was even like, and what really hit me the most about this, what really hit me hard was, even Rala's attacks were named like, you know, warm embrace and, you know, soft light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I was just like, Oh, and they dude, turned into butterflies. Is... Like, yeah. They die. Like... And that place in general was just fucking gorgeous. Like you immediately go there and you're like, wow, this is, yeah. You got the world tree think... in the background. For me, that's why it works so well, especially that last area, because it's like the contrast of this beautiful paradise and like, they just absolute like despair. And, uh like grim nature of what's actually happening like i know i think the when you get to that final like the yellow zone the first thing you see is those beings they create those butterflies and it's so beautiful and then the butterflies just like fucking annihilate them (laughs) yeah turn to nothing and it's like oh okay oh well that's what uh, we're doing uh fauna here are really nice but um the they've gotten so good with that kind of storytelling like mid-dungeon um uh, it's yeah. I this I've been grinding this one um, a lot for the tombstones and stuff like that, and uh, I haven't got sick of it. It's it's really really good. I I will say the the final boss. A lot of the AOEs are yellow, and the ground is yellow, <laughs> and 
and I yeah. And Jeff is a dragoon, <laughs> so it's very hard yeah. for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor Jeff. I will say that as, and you know, slight content warning here for depression. Um, you know, as somebody who has struggled with the you know depression and you know thoughts of self harm uh, in the past. Um, you know, I thought that like, I, I would, I just worry that this might affect some people. Oh, it um, definitely did. It, just, it might whole, be a little much for some people. Yeah. The whole theme of, I, cause I saw people posting about it on Twitter and I didn't understand what they meant because of course it was like a week after the expansion launched and right. I hadn't played it yet, but I thought that they were referencing, um, when um what's his name in garlemald uh, commit suicide but just oh that was woo oh <laughs> yeah woo. we we talked about that a little bit last yeah. time but uh it just the whole th- like end theme is really heavy because it's basically just suicide mm-hmm. like these and it's they, even like even the dragons they're just waiting to die like you yeah. know, everybody mm-hmm. just wants to fucking die and it's like I get what they were trying to go for, but it's like, especially in COVID times, it's a really fucking dangerous move. I, I think um, I, d- I don't want to so- say it's it's irresponsible, but it's definitely just I, w- I would say if for some reason you're listening to this and you're struggling with depression and, um, you know, the state of the world right now, maybe maybe wait just, a little bit to, to yeah, play. Or, 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 or at least be aware of what you're walking into. Right. Um, I mean, I. I had a very different, well, I don't want to say different experience. I mean, I'm obviously struggling um, like most people are as well. And I actually thought the end message was very good, you know, about um, what are we actually living for and what is the, the meaning of life when it does feel like there's nothing good out there. And I, but I, um, and so I, I appreciated that a lot. It hit me really hard and I um, thought the message was really good, but I agree there should probably at least be some kind of content warning because um you know i as as you know rough shape as i've been and i've never had thoughts of of self-harm um i'm lucky enough not to have reached that point and i could definitely see this being very triggering for someone who has um and i i know we're still not where we need to be in terms of being um you know aware enough uh from especially from like large publishers and game studios from this stuff but um, it shouldn't fall to like random people on Twitter to give people a heads up. Right. I mean, you you know that it's rough when even Medion was like, you know, fuck this. She was like, I'm just gonna destroy everything. Jesus, you people. Well, like she was it, like every. <laughs> to, to contrast that, I would say the one good thing about like all these people like just wanting to die and Medion just wanting to ev- end everything because all these people are miserable and is that it all it makes you want to fight like it makes you want to prove like no like i don't give a shit what all these other people are doing i'm going to live my life you're not going to tell me when i'm going to end my life like you don't you don't get that power over me right and right. it's the same with your you know your companions like you don't feel alone it, it, you know cuz when you struggle with mental health sometimes it feels alone and you're fighting this battle by yourself but it was kind of nice in in those moments where everything was so dark and dreary where it's like you feel that way and then your companions come up next to you and they're like you know fuck you we're gonna do this like you don't have to believe in us you don't have to support what we're doing but we're gonna try like 
this is our life. We love the we love the people here. You know, we love the land. Like this is our home. We're gonna fight for it. And it's just like to con- so to contrast that that dark depression of like all these worlds wanting to end. You have yourself and your group that are fighting so hard to protect it and protect everybody. And it's just it's a good contrast to that. Right. I agree completely. Um, and uh, of course, this was the final dungeon. Um, but we also had three, uh, three trials. Uh, you had, uh, Zodiac, hold on a second, uh, Zodiac, uh, Heidelin and the end singer. Uh, and we mentioned this last time, but you fought Zodiac. <laughs> Zodiac was the first primal, uh, which was pretty wild. I loved his design. It was so cool. And the encounter itself like just on, I mean, this wasn't savage or anything. Obviously, was pretty difficult. It was fucking hard. It like, was that really was the hard. hardest trial. I think it was even harder than Ensinger for me. Like, I had trouble on Heidelin, but admittedly, I did that on New Year's Eve when I was a little smashed, and uh, it didn't work out too well for me. And I did it the next day and completed it my first go around. But yeah, and Ensinger, I think I. We, I think our party only wiped once, and that's because we um, used our limit too early. Um, Zodiac was fucking hard. Like, I was dead over half that fight. Like, I just... Me too. There was I, so much going on, and I didn't know what I was supposed to do and what I was supposed to looking out, and the rotating fucking floor, like... Uh, yeah, it just... The rotating floor is... That fucked me up. Especially, I can't imagine, like, being a... Because John and I are ranged, so I guess we should have said this in our first thing. John mains Machinist, I main Dancer, and okay. Jeff mains Dragoon. So I feel like as ranged people, we have better uh, capability to see what's going on around us because we don't have to do positionals and we're not up close in, like, somebody's face. Um, so I can imagine doing that f- fight as a fucking melee DPS. Yeah, I just, uh, like, my general strategy when I don't know what I'm doing is I just try to follow what everyone else mm-hmm. is doing. But it, That's some of it happens so fast. And then sometimes they're not perfect either. And there was one point uh, where all of us followed one person because uh, the floor was about to rotate and they just read it wrong. And it rotated all of us right into the thing. And we just all got killed immediately. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it was... But it was really cool. Like, I kind of like that it was hard because I know... Uh, I know, I think even among us, we're maybe split on, like, was Zodiac underwhelming when he's built up for so long um, to fight him so soon and just kind of dispatch him in one go. But I think at least the fight itself, uh, mechanically, I think, held up to that promise of, like, you know, this wasn't a pushover. Like, he was a bitch yeah, to beat. absolutely. And I got to say, like, I didn't think Heidelin was anywhere near as difficult as Zodiac, but... Pound for pound, that fight just hit me in the gut. Oh God! When, when you're you're fighting the crystals in the middle, and she does her hear yeah. thing feel or feel. <laughs> oh my! Quotes. Yeah, jeez. I was like, no. <laughs> Harkening all the way back to like starting your character right at level yeah. one, like that, 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 like th- just that combined with like you know the actual like the fire, air, earth, and water crystals uh from classic final like i just that that whole fight was just and she looked uh like her her boss form was like just like yoshitaka amano art just crawled off the page Mm -hmm. 
Um, I mean, it was just, it, it, it was such a gorgeous, beautiful fight. They do um, a really good do- job of implementing his designs down to the fucking eyes. Like, just, you can look at a boss and go, oh, okay, well, you know, this is clearly based off of Amano, you know, like... I feel that right. way about her, and I felt that way about Ensinger. And uh, what about you, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I don't have much to say about this fight because it was fucking hard for me. Like, I don't, I don't think I, I think I only understood like one mechanic, so I definitely was dead uh, most of the fight. I actually thought it was harder than Zodiac, but it's just, it's just because I had no idea what was happening. I think Zodiac, I picked up on the cues a little bit quicker. Maybe my uh, group was a little bit more helpful in the chat. Um, but uh, yeah, no. It was, like other than that, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, definitely a very emotional fight, probably more so than uh, than Zodiac. And it's kind of cool, like that two of the three trials, um, you know, are you killing Zodiac, and and then whether or not you actually kill Heidelin. I mean, that's essentially what the outcome is. Is the um, the impression I got defeating both of them? Well, the impression I got, Jeff, was you know because Heidelin's reason for fighting you is ostensibly to 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 test you right like that old kind of like that old trope of your ally in a video game wanting to test you by fighting you um but i also really got the sense that it was more than that i got the sense that like since zodiac was gone heidelin accepted there was just no real need for her to be there anymore Mm -hmm. um and well well, i feel like go go ahead brit I feel like it was more of her giving up her final power so you could take the ship to go to Ultima Thule. Yeah. Um, right. You yeah, know, because yeah. she was already, like, weak from That's true. holding on to Zodiac for so long. Um, and the reason why that she was doing that was because the final days would come if Zodiac got out. And then, you know, once Zodiac got out, like, that, that was pretty much it. Like, she, you know, either the world was going to end or somebody was going to mm-hmm. step up to the plate and try to fight uh um <clears throat> try to fight uh Medion and you know pretty much like just based on your events in Alpis and everything she knows it's going to be you um so i i really it, to me it just felt like she was holding on until you got there yeah i agree and it's also I, I think that fight's really cool because it's the first trial you can do with NPCs Oh, that is the... F- you're right. It's the because first I, and be- only trial that you can do be- with NPCs. Because that's what I did. <laughs> it's, it's really funny, too, because they can die. And yeah. they have to get raised up and stuff. And it's just... It's really funny <laughs> just to see Alphano, like, just fall over. But at the same time, they they will kill you. They will absolutely... It doesn't matter if you're standing in a place. If that is where they are programmed <laughs> to go, they will go there and they will murder you. <laughs> well, and of course we also have the um we also have uh the end singer, uh which was basically just a kind of a all the medions, the medii, whatever you want to call her or them, um all just smashed together in one huge classic Final so Fantasy all, angel monster. All the medion sisters um, were just birds. Did I did I understand that correct? I, um, I I put, took them all as they were all like me. That's what I thought too. Because um, she could transform. She transformed into a bird as well. Yeah. When she left Hermes, so I I just took that they could had like they had a different form. She could take the form of a bird. Right. But the, like when he sent them away, I assume they all looked like she did. 
That's, I just, see, that's yeah. what I thought, but we never saw them as like other Medeons. The only Medeon we saw was the main Medeon. Mm-hmm. And main even Medeon. even when like you, everybody makes those sacrifices, they turn into burn, birds. They don't turn into Medeons. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I was like, is Medeon just like the... Is she, does she look the way she is because she's with Hermes? Like, I feel like the game could have done a better job explaining that. <laughs> yeah. Eh, um, well, mm-hmm. But the fight itself was suitably epic uh, for the the wrap-up of 10 years, essentially, of storyline. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> Final Fantasy games kind of often fall into this this trap of, you know, the real villain was just a, a distraction. And, the, the, and, you know, or like, you know, the villain you've been chasing the whole game was just a distraction. The real villain is this guy you meet in the last five minutes, right? Um, Final Fantasy Nine, Necron. Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Four did that too with Zeramis. Um and uh, you know, and Necron, of course, like you said, Britt, like that. Yeah. That's like the most egregious example of this. Um, and you fight Kuja, and Necron's like, Nah, man, I'm here. And you're like, Who the fuck? Uh, like, Who the fuck is Necron? Um, but I feel like they were able to, like, Medion was introduced at a point in the story where they had time to make you understand her thinking and understand why she did the things she did. I still don't think she's the, I mean, let's face it. She's no Emmett Salk. Emmett Salk is still the, the uh, final fantasy 14 strongest villain as of yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, she's leagues better than Xenos and fan Daniel. Um, and, uh, I, I loved her fight. I, I thought it was a fitting epic conclusion to the uh to the entire kind of storyline but i want to know what you guys think um i I think it was a good fight that balanced difficulty and enjoyment it wasn't like zodiac where it was just like i was like on the floor the whole time not understanding what was going on um like i understood mechanics pretty well and it just felt like a good solid end game fight to where you just didn't feel like you were getting the floor wiped with you, but it was also difficult. Um, and I thought it was like the fucking cutscene where you jump on Z. As much as I fucking hate Xenos, the cutscene where you jump on his back to go chase her is so fucking cool. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Finally, Xenos does something cool, <laughs> and then he becomes a little bitch afterwards. So, so let's. So, okay. So, Britt, let's talk about that because, yeah. Look, we all knew, like, after we killed the End Singer and Xenos was nowhere to be found, we all knew we were going to have a showdown against Xenos after this. I was kind of hoping they wouldn't make it after the End Singer. I was kind of hoping you would. I. I'm so conflicted because, like, the fight itself, like, the arena for the fight with Xenos was really cool. Um, and, like, kind of, you know, when he was like 1v1 me, bro, uh, it, w- it was actually, like, that, that that's it was basically actually sums up challenging. Emmett, I mean, Emmett. Yeah, that that basically just sums up Xenos as a character. It's just one v one me, bro. And I was hoping, I was hoping after like, you know, he he kind of had this like self reflection moment, and I, I didn't want him to be good, but I thought I, I was hoping that he was just gonna fuck off and like basically just kind of not 
be a thing anymore. I on I did not think that they were gonna make us fight after that. I was oh like, I, I I knew I, a fight I was, like, was coming. There's I knew no it. fucking way. I was like, we just had this <laughs> big scene. They're not gonna make me fucking one v one this <laughs> asshole. And then they did, and I was, and it was so actually, fucking mad. And it was actually challenging. I, I yeah, see. I, I didn't I, think it was challenging. Was it really... just felt like busy work. It, it, the fight that one was really frustrating for me. I died like three times, I think, and because there's two phases, I think I had to start all the way at the beginning of the first one, which is like another one of my just uh, small issues with the game. Like, I wish you could select the difficulty for um, some of these duties, like before you actually attempted fail them. But I also uh, there was one that actually had a decent checkpoint, like kind of in between sections. Um, but this one, it it takes it's my same complaint with like. Uh, I guess like in the Uncharted games when they put boss fights at really heavy narrative moments because the narrative gets ruined when you're just beating your head against a wall for an hour. Like it ruins the flow. So it was like I had just fought the end singer and finished her and then I had to spend like 45 minutes fighting Xenos three times and like dying. It just kind of uh, takes away, I guess, from the like emotional moment. Um, and I also thought the... I know it was probably intentional, the whole point of you fighting him at the end of nothing... Um, but like, it was just like such a boring background to just fight him in like just an empty, uh, like there's just literally nothing like you're at the end of the universe where there's not, and I, I get that they wanted to do that, but I just was looking around. And I was like, oh, this is like the most boring kind of uh, scene you could set for the final. <laughs> it battle, was really, really funny. Cause I was watching, um, like I said, I got to experience a lot of the story twice because, uh, Zach was behind me. So I got to watch him play the game, and uh, he was like, the first thing he said when you land is he was like, this better not be a Sephiroth fucking cloud showdown as your last fight. And I was like, well, get, get ready, buddy. <laughs> Settle in, man. Like, And that fight, Brit, that fight is fucking long. It is. That's it's, a long fucking yeah. fight. I See, what I was hoping is that, like, fucking... You have this big talk with him, and you basically find out that he's just unsatisfied with his life, and, you know, you're, like, the thing, you're his driving force, you're, like, his adventure, and He's an incel. Like, right, so, like, here you are, a dragon that can fly through space and go anywhere you want, like, I was hoping he was gonna find new purpose, and to see, like, to just be, like, after all that, be, like... Yeah, you're still what I want to like. I you, you I still want to fight you. I was just like, you, you literally have the universe at your dragon little fingertips, and you still just want to fight me. Like, I was kind of uh, hoping, like, I was kind of hoping when he landed, there was a small spark in me that was like, he's gonna realize that he doesn't need to fight you anymore, and he's gonna leave. Yeah, and that and and that that but like i get why they didn't because he was such a piece of shit like garland suffered because of him so many people died because of him like you know it's it was it it was satisfying to watch you punch him though yeah 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 it really was i it was i almost wish i was a monk doing that fight because that would have been so (laughs) yes that would have been yeah it felt weird doing it as a machinist you know brit like i was like just pistol whip him (laughs) but (laughs) but uh, Britt, I just realized I cut you off, and I totally didn't mean to. No, no, you're fine. That That's basically all I had to say about it. It was just, it was, you know, Xenos, what's frustrating to me is, like, Xenos as a character, but because I saw the potential in him, and at one point I did like Xenos a lot, but it would, he just wasn't 
for all the good 14 does, all the characterization, all the, all the story, like, they are good at it. Like, don't get me wrong. They were just bad at him. Like, they did... To me, it just felt like they did not know what the fuck they wanted to do with him. Like, they brought him back only to go, huh, well, we, what are we going to do with this asshole now? Yeah. I just wish, as he was laying there, you could have, like, staggered to your feet, crawled over to him, looked him right in the eye, and said, Xenos these nuts. Oh, my God. And no. then just rolled over and collapsed. No, I almost wish you were alive so I could just kick you out of the call. <laughs> So that marked the end of the Heidelin Zodiac Saga with a little Xenos at the end, just for flavor. Um, and of course, you know, the now uh, the, the Scions have gone their separate ways uh, as, as, you know, heroes and JRPGs do to wait till the world needs them once more. That, that was actually like one of my favorite fucking parts of the entire game. I think so because, too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the nation leaders nowhere to be fucking found in any of the cutscenes, yep. and it was really frustrating to me. I was like, "What the fuck are these people doing?" Like, I understood during the towers, like they had to like they had to monitor that situation and blah yeah. blah blah. But when the towers were gone, like where were like, they? What were they yeah. doing? So when they basically were like, "Yeah, we're disbanding the the scions." quote unquote so the leaders can actually step up and do what they're supposed to fucking do i was like yes yeah, thank good you messaging. good good messaging yeah. too to be honest yeah mm -hmm. and um so uh, you know we won't so rather than go down the rabbit hole of you know the scion splitting apart i was hoping we could talk about what comes after um because this rat i mean the zodiac highland saga has has literally been the driving force behind the game since uh, its original release. Um, and now that that's gone, um, you know, there are no more, I mean, I mean, the gods are essentially gone. Um, no more primals. No, no more primals. Um, what happens next? Be a lot, because a lot of people, when they announced Endwalker, it sounded very final. A lot of people were like, oh my God, Final Fantasy XIV is ending. And of course, everybody with, you know, a sliver of rationality was like, no, it's not. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> they said it. They basically said it was going to be the end of the Heidelin Of the Heidelin saga. Yeah. There, well, but they also, they, they took great pains to say there will be much. The, the, in fact, Yoshi P, like, it boggles my mind, this guy's work ethic. He said, we've already got the next 10 years of story mapped out. I was like, mm -hmm. good Lord, man. Um, that's like three expansions to be fair yeah um i i'll, I'll go real quick because i just had something that i'm gonna forget it if i don't please say it. um first of all i i loved endwalker and i loved the how they wrapped up the asian story but man do i just never want to see i said this at, at the end of shadowbringers as well and i was okay with an endwalker but i do not want to see an asian for a very long and then the and then in the uh, post credits like you see what appears to be um La Habrea there. It's like, oh, come on. Like, no, or, no, no, I'm it's, sorry. Elidibus. It's uh, Elidibus. I'm sorry. I'm Elidibus. I'm sorry. But that was just teasing Pandemonium, I think. Um, yeah. I hope so. Raid. Yeah, that's, it, yeah, that that's was. fine. As that long was. as they keep that to the raid side story. Uh, one thing, I don't know if they would do it because we already had Heaven's Ward, which um, focused so much on the dragons and the Dragon Song War, but I feel like there's some loose ends where you set Tiamat free. Um, I think right before Endwalker. 
Uh, well, that's why. So Emmett Selk at one point and, he says to mm-hmm. go to, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. He says to go to, um, basically the place, uh, the place where the it's a, Mercadia, yeah, basically, it, yeah. Right? yeah. So because yeah, you've got Tiamat free now, and then Vitra also has kind of like emerged from, um, you know, hiding and stuff like that. So I think that's like you know two pretty prominent dragons, and maybe they'll just kind of chill in the background and do their own. Nah, thing. Nah, they're gonna make babies. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. So, so, um, but it seems like they they could do something. Yeah, and because uh, Emmett does mention uh, their homeland as well, um, you know, I, I think that could potentially play a role. We could see more of them for sure. So, uh, I'm thinking we're going to see one of two things. We're either going to see something like time travel. Um, we already did that. Well, I'm talking like like on a on a much larger scale. Um. Or maybe not even time travel, but like in alternate realities, um, kind of like how they did, uh, you know. Multiverse. Yeah, 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 exactly. I hope not. Um, man. I hope or not. I am hoping that we actually leave the planet entirely and go to a different world. Um, not- I'd love to see another, uh, like we've been to the first, I'd love to see one of the other ones. And I mean, I, it's written right into the story now. You got a ship. Right. And, and, and you know, I would love that world and I'm going to get tomatoes pelted at me by some people and flowers tossed at me by others. But I would love that world to be very heavily based on something like Final Fantasy 13, which is just such a, like such a different aesthetic from what we're used to in Eorzea. Um, like, like kind of like an industrial you, or, 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 or like, like, or like, it, well, I mean, very, you know, futuristic space, like, yeah, um, okay. it, you know, like not even industrial, like I'm talking like full on science fiction, it would be such a it would be such a change uh, for the game, um, and I feel like that you need something like that to kind of shake things up. Not not to mention all the incredibly cool glamour you could have, because uh, as we all know, glamour is the is the real end game. It uh, really is. Fun. I'm not even gonna argue that. That is like liter- my driving force. Every time I log on, Britt, I'm like, hmm, am I okay with my glams? Um, <laughs> then I'm like for 10 minutes, I'm like, what could be cooler? Uh, but I, I don't know, Britt, what do you think? I think, um, so we had the, uh, the conversations with the Aya and basically that they, the, the planets are drifting further and further apart, um, because of basically they're, they're getting frozen to death uh, because the planets are drifting further and further apart, which you discover is Heidelin's doing because she uh, separated the planets so the Aether would be separated so you don't have as much Aether so you wouldn't um, be affected by the final days as much. Um, I think you're going to take your ship and you're going to fly to the other uh, shards of the star. You think so? I think so. I think you're going to be able to. Um, I think you're going to be able to go to the first eventually. Um, Interesting. I think there's going to be re- a reunion with Ancred and Rin. Um, yeah, I'd I think, love that. I think Rin is going to uh, be a main character later on. At, there's so many possibilities with the ships now that I don't think Emmett was just referencing the stuff on your world, but I think he was referencing mm-hmm. the other worlds as well. And I think so you, that's what's going to happen. I think, I think his next 10 years are probably the, um, 
the 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 other planets you're going to go to those are probably going to be other expansions so so you think emmet salk was literally giving you a roadmap for what's coming next absolutely interesting Interesting. well you got you got to think he was able to fucking teleport between worlds Mm -hmm. he was on the first he was on air that's true yeah you know he knows what's out there and if there, he knows that you have the ability to do this now. If there's one Asian I would like to stick around, it's Emmett Selk. He's just such a good character. Yeah. I think they're going to give little nods here and there, but I I think they gave him a really good send off that I don't think we'll see his face again. Yeah, I I like yeah. believe me, I want to, but I also want to like keep keep his story sacred to me and special and i don't want to just keep that that makes sense yeah just because he's a he's a famous character and that well-loved character one of my favorite moments from this game period it's not Endwalk related but that fight against the warrior of light when olidibus turns into the warrior of light and emmett sulk shows up and and you know it's him because he gives his little snap yeah um i was like oh it's so fucking good um but but yeah i think i think that's that's what's gonna happen is i think uh, Especially because Yastola took such an interest in their research and, you know, she kept one of her final conversations or, you know, her her last big conversations you have for her is that her thirst for knowledge. And I think I think the conversations with the Aes the that she had is going to stick with her for a long time. And I think she's going to go investigate it. Mm-hmm. So how long, Britt, how long do you think it is before we start getting story drops? Um before the next major expansion like obviously the next major expansion is a couple of years off for sure um well, but they've got to fill they, they they've got to fill the gaps with something in the meantime isn't it going to be the same or did they say they're changing it's usually every three or four months with the point one patches and stuff right? yeah. well no, no with the patches but now that the start now that the, the the now that the main arc of the game is wrapped up i'm wondering when we're actually going to start to see st- because i mean we just got a major patch today and there's no story content mm-hmm. Um, so no, but this isn't a 6.1, like 6.1, I imagine we'll have the first of the next. Story okay. No, that's a good point. That's a solid point. Um, I'm really hoping we see a raid based on the lunar subterrain, uh, from final fantasy four, which is the final dungeon of that game. Um, given that it's on the moon and it's underneath the moon, it, I think it makes sense, especially since, you know, we got the, uh, uh, you know, we got, the, you know, the, um, uh, the labyrinth, Sickers tower and the world of darkness from final fantasy three. I think you could do something very similar with like a 24 man raid uh, based on Final Fantasy IV. Uh, Whose favorite like Final Fantasy is Final Fantasy III? Isn't there somebody that was working on it that said that it was their Yoshi favorite? P. Was it Yoshi P? It's Yoshi P, which is why I guarantee you that's oh, as soon as we learned that Hermes was a mon, I was like, Yoshi P. <laughs> <laughs> fucking like, Yoshi. That, <laughs> fucking Yoshi P. Like, I, and you know that's why he did it because Final Fantasy III is his favorite. Um, alternatively knowing that i could see um like you said like you said earlier i could see probably some time travel back into the allegan shit i would that would be actually really fucking cool wouldn't it basically Um, make something with the allegan technology that's uh you know alive see what kind of like then ramifications it has on the future yeah well not even that just you know trying to that's a good point in general. It feels like we learned so much about the first and about, you know, the unsundered world and the Asians, um, uh, and like the elegant stuff is still like a really big mystery. A lot of mm-hmm. it, like we put some of the pieces together, but I definitely, it seems like there's a lot 
that they can mine from that for whatever story purpose, whether it's raid or, right. or main story. Well, and I think um, we're at over an hour here, and it's uh, probably time to wrap. I think we've covered all the major points across uh, a combined two out, over two hours of, uh, of recording here. <clears throat> all in all, I thought Endwalker was awesome, and, you know, despite some small... Uh, some small problems with it, um, you know, little ticky tack shit. Um, it's my favorite expansion so far, beating out Shadowbringers. Um, and you know, you know what edged it out for me uh, was the fact that whenever I start the game, I don't have to have my ears fucking blown out by <laughs> by a giant chorus uh, from uh, from you know the Pope's Cathedral. That um, I love the new title. That is an interesting question, though. Before we wrap it up, I want to ask everybody: Now that it's uh-huh. the end of this arc, I want to hear your favorite expansion to your worst ex- expansion, Ooh. or Jeff. favorite to least favorite, I should say. Jeff, go ahead. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go first. I mean, they're all pretty recent because I didn't play the game. I, I mean, I played it on and off since 2013, but I never actually went through it until a couple years ago. Um, I think. Uh, I think I need more time to sit on Endwalker. If we're just, if I'm trying to look at them like individual, I'd say Shadowbringers is still probably the strongest um, expansion overall from a story perspective. Uh, Endwalker's probably second. Um, and I, I'm honestly split. I, I know Britt didn't care for Stormblood, but um, just playing through them all sequentially, I, I thought Stormblood and Heaven's Word were uh we're both about equal i thought they were all really strong but definitely shadowbringers and and walker are like top tier for me but i think shadowbringers edges out just because it was a little bit more focused right i um i'm gonna give it to Endwalker uh as my well well if we're starting if we're going from least like my least favorite is uh heaven's word um really not that heaven's word is bad it's it you know it's just that they're all so good there's not a i mean and, and i want to be clear about that there's not a bad expansion in this game um, I, I just feel like going back to, and I'm not counting, like, I'm not counting a, a realm reborn simply because like, that's the, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's the launch of the game. Um, going back to heaven's word, I feel would be kind of excruciating now. Um, and, and after that, I would have to say, you know what? My favorite is Endwalker. My least favorite is heaven's word. And after heaven's word, it just goes in order for me um i feel like every expansion has gotten six uh uh better than the last um and rare it is rare in video games do, uh, that that we see that and it just speaks it's just a testament to yoshi p's ta- his, that whole team's talent especially for having just like a terrible name like creative business unit three guys you got to change that name um <laughs> but wait what sh- is that creative business unit three <laughs> that's the studio yeah like wait like if you look at the opening movie if you let the opening movie play when you boot up the game it's like square enix creative business business unit three <laughs> that's I never knew that. <laughs> that the actual yeah. name of the stu- of the square of the studio inside square that is pumping out this amazing content this thoughtful yeah. and thought-provoking beautiful content is fucking creative business unit three. Oh, that's like, good yeah i'm just like guys you gotta you gotta change, like change it to the Scions or, or like something like Creative Business Unit Three. That's the most corporate ass shit I have ever heard in my life. I kind of love it. <laughs> it's yeah. just like wow. It, oh, it's like it's it's like when uh, it's like when those uh, former Square developers formed Tokyo RPG Factory. I'm like, oh well, 
that really that really kind of says it all, huh? But um, yeah. What I, was your favorite expansion, Britt? Please, um, Britt. it's pretty close to yours, actually. Mine goes uh, Shadowbringers, and then Endwalker. And I'm actually having a tough time deciding between um, Heaven's Word and Stormblood because as much as I dislike Stormblood, I actually quit um, before I was even halfway through Heaven's Word because they that they changed Bard to a casting class, and I could not do anything. Like I was not used to casting, so I was constantly dying, and um, I just wasn't having fun with it. So I think. I came back to it like two years later when uh, Stormblood was about to come out. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't like, I don't remember the story. Like I, everybody loves Horshifon. I don't remember him dying. Like I have to go back and rewatch the cutscenes. So um, I'm probably going to give it to Stormblood and then Heaven's Word. Um, Not saying that Heaven's Word is bad, um, because I really enjoyed uh, Ysail. I enjoyed Est- my boy Estinian. That's where he comes from. Like yep. I fucking love the characters and I love the the dragon aspects of it. But I did not understand the politics behind it. Like you know the church and the houses. Like I didn't understand any of that shit. But you you better believe I remember that Shiva and Havalskar they bumped uglies. Man, they were together. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I, I just, God, now that we've been talking about it, I want to go play it now. Uh, <laughs> um, besides I've still got, I've still got some roulettes to do. Hope you log in. The queues are bad again. Are they really? Oh, they're terrible. I logged in yesterday. It was like 3000. Yep. Really? It's I been like it over 500 in like a week. It's been in the twenties for me. Yeah, well, it's because they dropped, uh, the drop I, content. That's sweet. sweet oh, content. right. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I guess, so good luck. I guess we'll see. Um, I was going to ask you guys if if you wanted to run some roulettes with me, but I guess not. Um, okay. Well, uh, guys, thank you so much for, uh, this was actually Jeff's idea to be totally fair. Um, Jeff was the one who wanted us to get together and talk about N Walker. Of course, it's a great idea. So Jeff, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful idea. You're welcome. Thank me. Thank you for letting me twist your arm into talking about final fantasy. I know it, it was, I mean, you've really, you've really got to hound me to talk about final fantasy. You really do. Um, like I'll cancel a date night with my wife to talk about Final Fantasy. Um, you think I'm you think I'm joking? Uh, no, I know you're not. Joking. <laughs> the real question oh, is, are you going to buy that like three thousand dollar terror figure? Is is, is yeah. she going to let you do that? So we've had the talk. Have you really? <laughs> <laughs> the so, answer is no. It wasn't a very long talk. <laughs> So is this going to be like a secret buy? Then? And I was asked not to ask again. Oh, really? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh, no. So, You're going to be so devastated when the pre-orders come out. I'm going to have to sell a shitload of plasma and also sell a bunch of shit in my office. I'm going to have nothing left in her but that Terra statue. It's like $3,000, isn't it? So it, It's going to be something like that, yeah. And It's so pretty, though. You know what? You know what? I have two kidneys. Um, <laughs> I have two kidneys. You know, I only need one. Um, you know, it's it's a really beautiful statue. No, I did ask, and Vicky was like, never ask me that again. And I was like, okay. <laughs> cool. 
So anyway, we're <laughs> we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Don't forget that we go live every Thursday night uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also, I got to shout out Square Enix. Uh, of course, we are Square Enix content creators. And thank you, Square Enix, uh, as always, for putting out this, this great content. Much appreciated. Uh, and with that, remember, kindness costs nothing. We'll see you later. Bye.